Good morning. This morning we come to the end of the line, final phase of the awareness of awareness practice. So to, just to give you a very brief reminder, after having settled body, speech, and mind in natural state, resting evenly with no object, and then directing your awareness upwards into space with no object, just up into object, objectlessness, into space, back to the center, to the right, to the center, to the left, to the center, down, to the center. And then just release your awareness if you still have a sense of being located up in the head, if you have a sense of that's where you're looking from. See if you can release that, and as if you're going into an elevator, and just letting the whole locus of your awareness descend down to the heart. Remain there for a while. And then just release your awareness into non-objectivity and continue practicing. So that's, that's simple. So that's the final phase. And the, real, the, really, the truly final phase is just then releasing, releasing all objects, all appearances, and just resting in the very nature of your awareness. You're just resting in being aware. So there's really virtually no doing at all. It's just pretty much being aware. So there is a nice balance here. There's a certain symmetry in the combination that I've recommended to a number of people. I've recommended everybody, and then you can see whether it's useful for you, which I call balancing earth and sky. And for example, as one instance of mindfulness of breathing, so what I'm referring to as earth, is, for example, focusing on the rise and fall of the abdomen, taking that for example. The idea here, I like the image of, of creating a vacuum by filling a volume with some substance like water, you know, like, like, a, like a, a, a glass vial, a glass tube, filling it completely full of water. So there's just nothing, there's just totally full, no air at all, just totally full. And then sucking all the water out of it. And then you, then when you do that, then what's left behind is, of course, a vacuum. And that's something like what we're doing here, that is, in mindfulness of breathing, you're filling your awareness as much as you can, homogeneously, as you attend to the whole body of the breath, the whole course of in-breath, whole course of out-breath, that you're always doing something, you're always engaged. There's really, if you're doing it well, there's, it's, there's just no place for the distracting thoughts, the rumination to get in. He says, sorry, busy, full. It's like, you know, like going into a latrine. I'm sorry, there's only room for one of us in here. You have to wait. This is full of breath. No time for you little guys to come in here. No, I'm, I want my privacy, you know? So, terrible example, but I like terrible examples sometimes. <laughs> it's just no vacancy, no vacancy. Fill it all the time with the flow of the, the sensations. You're attending to it. You're filling it with appearances all the time. Appearances of the in-breath, whole chorus. Then the, at the end, still full. Out-breath, still full. It's like one of the people who never leaves the toilet. You just always, you know, <laughs> occupied. Never leaves. Right? And so you find, have to find another restroom. And so there we go. So fill it, fill it, fill it. And then... Fill it with a sense of ease, but presence, relaxation and presence without losing clarity. And then you can come directly over to awareness of awareness. And now that your awareness has been full, filled with the sensations of the breath, now just 
Release them. Suck them all out. Just release them. And what do you have behind? It's just a vacuum of awareness with no appearances and just rest there in being aware. Being aware. Just resting there in that simplicity. And so what obscures the innate luminosity and the innate knowing of substrate consciousness? First, most explicitly, is just all the noise. All the noise. And I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. The talking and talking and talking and talking. Like, when does it ever shut up? You know, All that noise, that junk, the exhausting junk of the mind, that obscures the, the innate luminosity and cognizance of awareness. It obscures it. It's, it's like L.A. smog, Beijing smog. You can't see through it. And so we seek then to release, to, you know, suck all that smog out, all the noise out, so it's non-conceptual. We do that with mindfulness of breathing. So we're just in a flow of perception rather than junking it up with all the noise of useless conception. So getting rid of that. But of course, in mindfulness of breathing, it's not just stopping thinking, but it's also maintaining a clarity. And bear in mind, in all shamatha practices, even the infirmary, Maintain a flow of knowing. If you're just going belly up like that with no knowing, then it's just then it's just back into ignorance, unawareness. That's not going to be an antidote for anything. And so by removing the veils of the noise, the sheer junk of obsessive, compulsive, delusional thinking, and not allowing the veil of dullness and laxity to send and cloak your own substrate consciousness. Then you'll see, and a number of you are already seeing with clearer and clearer glimmerings, clearer and clearer insights, the innate luminosity that's just ready to spring forth as, as soon as this cloud cover and the obscuration vanish. And then there is this knowing, and it's an intuitive, immediate knowing. Okay, It's, a, it's not a knowing that the coarse mind is familiar with, so again, it's so often a kind of like a little microcosm, a microcosm of fate facsimile of the infinitely deeper knowing of Rikpa itself, which is a knowing beyond all conceptual frameworks, beyond all conceptual elaborations. And just by the way, to get that list correct and complete, because it relates back to the question you raised re- uh, again about the Buddha nature and is it one or many, and that is Buddha nature is free of the eight extremes of conceptual elaboration. This is now classic teachings in Dzogchen. And that it's free of birth and cessation. So when does, when does Rikpa arise? Never. When does it cease? Never. So there's two extremes. Neither one. And then it's takpeta and chepeta. And that is, well, is it permanent? No. Oh, is it annihilated? No. Neither one. Is it coming? Is it going? No, no. And then finally, the one that's most relevant to your question, Yen, and that is it's Chiktan Tade. Chiktan Tade. Is it unitary or is it different? Is it the same? Is it different? Is it one or multiple? Neither. It's beyond all categories. So to slip into a mode of awareness like that, that is still knowing, when it's, it's now transcended all of our conceptual frameworks, this is kind of like, from the conceptual side, this looks like not knowing. From the Rikpa side, all of samsaric knowing looks like the blatherings of an idiot or just an ongoing flow of delusion. You know, 
either one, they, how do we say, very different. So when you're moving from samsaric knowing to rikpa, it's this cloud of no, a knowing. It's, it's a moving out of all familiar knowing into another mode of knowing relative to which the earlier knowing looked like a non-lucid dream. Right? But in the, non, in the midst of a non-lucid dream, awakening doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything at all. You're not even asking the question. Therefore, the answer is, does not compute. Does not compute. You're locked into the non-lucid dream. So there's the deep one, moving from samsaric knowing to rikpa. And here's the shallow facsimile, but not a meaningless facsimile. Moving from the familiar knowing of the coarse mind, with which we're so familiar, we tell our stories about who we are and what we know and what we're good at, what we're not good at, and all the stories locked into coarse mind, locked into personal history, locked into conceptual frameworks. And we have these little light, fluffy terms like intuition. So difficult to nail down. And some hardball scientists say, oh, that's just fluffy. It doesn't mean anything at all. Intuition, what's that? It's a hunch that turned out to be right. What's that? Big deal. You know, it's just coincidence. And so from a locked in, a mind that's locked into, this is the only way, which scientists don't do, not as scientists, but scientific materialists do all the time. There's only one way of knowing, and that's scientific, objective, quantifiable, you know, that kind of the same old, same old, same old religious fundamentalism now putting on a little science hat. It's not science, it's just scientific fundamentalism. So we have the only way of knowing. Nothing else counts, right? And, well, that's just one more fundamentalism, but we can do the same thing. The coarse mind, that's the only way to know something. By, by way of five physical senses, and then the intellect, memory, and so forth, and that's just missing out on the whole show of another way of knowing, which is directly from substrate consciousness, which is non-conceptual. Non-conceptual. So moving that out, moving out all the noise of useless conceptualization, blowing away the obscurations of dullness, then we simply settle in that luminosity, that cognizance that is the luminosity and cognizance of substrate consciousness. And welcome to another whole avenue of knowing. To my mind, here's an opinion coming. To my mind, I think science is desperately in need of this. Desperately in need of this. To complement the wonderful ways of knowing they already have. But they're missing out on so much. Locking into, and this was what William James tried to break them out of. It was a valiant attempt. But when it, when it comes to, to consciousness, he said, let introspection first, foremost, and always be your mode of inquiry in nature of the mind because it is subjective, it's qualitative, it's not physical. Therefore, use the appropriate means of investigation, direct observation, and we call that introspection. It was a valiant attempt. And they smothered him to death and buried him. And now it's a century later, maybe it's time to evoke the ghost of William James. Come forth come forth. We're ready to hear you now. And now that we've been buried our, our heads in the sands of, of physicalism for a, for a century, maybe it's come out and let science breathe some fresh air and recognize that the, the mode of inquiry has to be appropriate to the field of inquiry. And here the field of inquiry is consciousness itself. Give introspection a chance. Oh, lasso. That's it, folks. Let's jump in.